0: Welcome back to a podcast called Wits End. We're gl- grateful to have you. My name is Jonathan Marshall. And today, as our special guest, we have brother George Antonios. He's back again. That joke is probably getting old, but I'm going to keep using it if it brings a smile to your face. So we are glad to have you. It's almost as if this is my podcast, and George is privileged to be here.
1: Yeah, I am, actually.
0: Amen. Well, same here. Uh, George, before we jump into our very special topic today, which is uh, Israel Part 2, the eschatological uh, approach to what is happening in Israel, first I want to go to the mailbox, which is witsendguys at gmail.com. And we got an email from Brother Justin Pizzo, and he is in Spain, Um, and he said he thanks us for the episode. And he thanks us for the shout out on episode 16. And then, um, he also mentioned something here, brother Joe Bisco, another missionary, uh, that's in the Republic of Georgia. He said he and brother Joe Bisco are avid astrophotographers. Okay. And he mentioned, he mentioned something, uh, he actually talked about how they take pictures of, of space of, you know, stars planet so forth and then they have a little verse that they post in there a little description and uh i thought maybe i'd pass that on anybody that's interested the website is look now toward heaven l n t h dot org and has really cool pictures in there you can check it out l n t h look now toward heaven and uh i had i enjoyed that it was a lot of fun looking at that so i want to let let folks know uh listeners know if you want to contact us you can do so through email, witsendguys at gmail.com. Brother George, now, will you introduce our topic again for today?
1: Yeah, so uh, we're talking again about the war in Israel. Uh, And we're going to, this time, last time, last week with the pastor Joel Greer, we took a look at the kind of geopolitical context and historical context of the conflict. This time, we're going to look at it, Lord willing, from an eschatological point of view, which means the study of the last thing. So as far as, is it part of the prophetical, prophetic program where does it fit and is the big question in everybody's minds all christians of course is is does that mean that the lord is around the around the corner
0: and the, we definitely know the lord told us to uh be ready and to be watching and we're prepared for that but we want to make sure as we look at the scripture that we don't take current events and make that the foundation and then fit scripture over top of them, Yes. actually do the opposite. We have the scripture as our foundation, and then we see if current events fit. If they don't fit, then fine. So I guess maybe the way to do it is to think of the scripture on top and the current events underneath, and then you smash it down, and whatever still is there, it's there, and it's legitimate. But if you take the current events and put them on top, and try to force it down, what you end up doing is you end up losing scripture underneath the template. You lose important bits of information. And we're, we're all probably classic at doing that, but what it's called mm-hmm. is a private interpretation. And we want to avoid private interpretations because when we use those, we're effectively saying, Holy Spirit, I got this. I'll take it and run with it. And thank you for giving me a book that makes me look important. Otherwise, <laughs> <laughs> the the right way to do it is Lord I'm humbled to have your book that uh, doctrine should always make us more humble the more we know about the Bible should make us glorify and honor Jesus Christ more and if you don't feel that way something is off as they say in New York
1: I I love the New York accent
0: it's the best I love
1: it I love when you do it it's so cool
0: <laughs> <laughs> I grew up with my mom a little bit you know and so it is a lot of fun we i always and she doesn't have it that much but i always make her sound like she does <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah there's a uh, how many times <clears throat> how many people have i heard over the last few years uh have uh, walked away from a premillennial dispensational understanding of the bible and surprisingly well maybe i shouldn't say surprisingly their main argument is not so much that they disagree uh with with the uh, Liter the, it's not an interpretive problem that they have with how we're, how we're reading the text. Uh, they will cite the fact that there's too many times that uh, you know premillennialists have predicted the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and gotten it wrong, and so they reason from that, then therefore the premillennial understanding of the Bible is mistaken, and then they fall back on amillennialism. Uh, it's a little bit ironic to me that they do that, because. In a way, uh, you're decrying the fact that premillennialists are using current events to set the day of the rapture. Uh, but by the same token, you're actually using current events. You're, you're using the way people have misread current events to f- walk away from premillennialism. So both parties are guilty of mistreating current events mm-hmm. in, in, in an odd kind of way. Uh, but that's why I found it's, I find it's important to be very careful. Uh, in saying that, oh, what's going on right now? That is the world, new world order that's coming in. The Antichrist is about to arise and Jesus is right like around the corner. How many times have Christians been wrong about this? Not because premillennialism is a mistaken in interpretation or methodology of interpreting the Bible, but rather because most of the time uh, the Christians aren't as familiar with the Bible as they think they are. And they're not, are, they are not as familiar with history as they think they are. And it's um, kind of they're, they've, they they um, they are guilty of the bias of living the thing, you know. It's happening if it's happening in my lifetime and it's affecting me. This must be the end of the world. It's never been so bad, you know. And if you read history, you know it's been a lot worse than this. So it's important to tackle. Hence, hence why we should tackle this.
0: Yes, I was uh, recently uh, one of the church members here has been supplying me with. Uh, events from 150 years ago in Toledo. And one of the things that I read was that there was this, there was a young man who went into the school and shot his principal and then went somewhere else and shot himself. And they asked him, I guess it was while he was shooting, he was saying this or and he left a note or something. The idea was he he was upset because his teacher would not give him ice cream or eat ice cream with him, and so he went in. This was in the nineteen twenties, and wow. sounds like re- uh,
1: sounds like ten years ago.
0: Yeah, it's not, it, 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 and certainly there have been, you know, because one of the things to keep in mind is there are so many more people in mm-hmm. the United States than there ever has been.
1: And more means of communication.
0: Yes. Uh, I was reading a story. I actually didn't want to read the story. It was a, a no, not a novel. Um, it was historical narrative of, of something that took place um, 30 years ago. And it was about a, a teacher who went berserk and killed a bunch of students. And in, in that, in, in just reading the preface to that book, I, I realized how many... It, it, he, Historical example after historical example of these shootings and of this hate and all of that. And what the point I'm trying to make with this is not that we shouldn't be sad about things that happen, terrible events. Of course we should. But that mankind, since the Garden of Eden, since the Garden of Eden fall, mankind has been violent and has been uh, Mm -hmm. selfish and has been trying to dominate other people because of that sinful nature. And so we're, we're still facing that today. And just be careful that, and sometimes you'll hear people say, oh man, you see what's happening in Israel? Man, the Lord's gotta be coming. Well, the Lord is coming, but we, we know that not just because of some bad things that are happening right now. We know that because of what he says in his word. So we have to start from the word right. and and look at that rather than start. Because some for some people, Uh, It's more real what's happening on social media than what the Word of God says.
1: Yes, very well said. 100%. Very well said. Okay, so you want to take a look at that uh, with Scripture? Let's jump in. Okay. Um, I know a lot of people listen on Spotify. Uh, I'm going to share my screen and try to describe what I'm drawing out on the screen. And then if you guys want to see the visual, you can... uh, go to uh, our Witsent podcast on YouTube and you can get the visual over there, Lord willing. The YouTube channel has been, uh, it's been nice. There's been some new subscribers recently. Uh, so yeah. I well,
0: Hey, sh- listen, it pays when you have a lot of family members yeah. <laughs> That's
1: good. as I do. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. You've got nine siblings, huh?
0: Yes, I do. I have uh, wow. one brother and eight sisters. And then uh, I have nieces and nephews even as the sands of the sea.
1: That's funny. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) Okay, so I'm drawing. I've got a screen here, a one-note screen. And uh, here's like, that was the eraser. So before the cross, obviously that's the Old Testament. And uh, let's say like, people have Matthew 24 basically in their minds when they see events like this, right? An -hmm. increase in wars and rumors of wars, looking at the fig tree. uh, That's how it's going to be in the days of the coming of the son of man, Matthew 24, uh, parallel passages in the gospels are Mark 13 and Luke 21 for further details. So we've got this, uh, the Lord is talking over here in like 33 AD, let's say, and we're over here on the right side in 2023. And we're saying, oh, here we go, uh, maybe this is it, and maybe this is it, maybe this is it. But first, first things first. If I want to like give a dispensational understanding of the Bible, and again, this is not dispensations is not us applying um, uh, of lens to the Word of God. It's literally just going through what the Bible says and noting changes from uh, shifts in God's uh, dealings with mankind from one age to another. That's all that dispensationalism is. It's a methodology of of understanding the scriptures, as reflected in the scriptures themselves. So, uh, you've got the Lord here talking about uh, you know the uh, sun being darkened and the moon turning to blood and the stars of heaven are falling. And in Acts chapter two, on the other side of the cross, Peter is actually talking about the same thing when he says, "This is that which was is, which is spoken of by the prophet Joel," and he's going to mention some of the same signs that the Lord Jesus Christ mentioned. And then, so Peter says, "This is happening in my generation." in Peter's own generation. He says, this is it, guys, the apostle Peter. Uh, The moon is going to be turned to blood. The sun uh, uh, and the sun is going to be darkened, and the stars of heaven are going to fall. And yet, it's been 2,000 years since Peter has said that. And uh, the reason being is because with the rejection of the gospel of the kingdom, the Lord has opened a huge, large parenthesis, which we call church age. I know some people don't like calling it that, but you know what I mean when I say it. That's why I keep using the expression. And that period here, according to the Apostle Paul, that was a, a mystery. It wasn't revealed. It was a mystery age. It wasn't. It, it's in the prophecies, but it wasn't revealed. They weren't aware of it. It was revealed in the Apostle Paul because the Lord's calling out of the Gentiles, the people for His name. Now, eventually, we're going to get raptured out of here, according to Second Thessalonians chapter two, and then the dealings of God with Israel resume. On this side of the rapture on the right side of the rapture and so matthew 24 is the lord kind of overlooking the church age because he knows it's a mystery and describing things that are either going to happen here in acts 2 but because of israel's rejection of the gospel of the kingdom these the context the eschatological context of what the lord is describing gets pushed to after the rapture of the church church so matthew 24 is here which means when the Lord speaks of an increase in wars and rumors and wars and pestilences and earthquakes and floods, he's actually describing things that happen after we're gone. And that is also confirmed by, uh, by comparing the list of signs that he gives in Matthew 24 with Revelation chapter 6, and the people will find that they match the seals even as far as chronology. And so all that to say, uh, to, to finish this thought here, is that as long as long are, uh, as long as we are here, In the Church Age, uh, it's not really the prophetic program that is playing out yet. Now, um, I'll say that, and we'll talk about it a little bit more. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean that what's happening has no bearing at all, because that's another extreme. So, like uh, the hyper dispensationalist brethren, and with all due apologies for me using the term, I don't they don't like me using it, but you know, for for lack of better. Mid-Acts doesn't do it justice either. So for the hyper-dispensationalist brethren, they'll tell you anything that's happening in the church age is completely unrelated to the prophetic program. And it's utterly useless to even look at current events uh, with any degree of interest because all that stuff is still within the church age. So, But that's one extreme for me because I think some of the stuff, it's possible, it's possible that some of the stuff that's happening here in the church age, if the rapture happens now, if the rapture happens now, Then what we're seeing in Israel right now, the events, they will carry over into the tribulation time. And so they will have been a preparation in a sense. And if the Lord doesn't show up now and rapture us, then what's happening right now will be just another footnote in history. And we're going to have to wait for another few years or generations before there's anything that is significant that's affecting the possible outplay of the Antichrist following the rapture of the church.
0: Yes. I, I think you've used the term Braxton Hicks contractions before. And for those of you who, who's, uh, have had children or you, you're, you know, you know, people who have had children, um, they, (laughs) they, sorry, forgive me. Um, you understand when a, when a child is born, often there are contractions that happen way in advance. Now, You can say, this is not the birth. This is not the birth. I don't know what you're so excited about. Well, it's true. It's not the birth. The birth happens when the actual contractions uh, begin. And uh, prior to that, there are false alarms, so to speak. But are they false alarms? Or they are premonitions? Or are they signals? Maybe not signs in the same way a biblical sign. But are they not signals from the body that something is going to happen. Now, here's what I would say. We know that Israel will will be born in a day, okay? But there's a lot of pain and suffering they go through before that birth, excuse me, not the new birth, uh, spiritual new birth, but the uh, political national rebirth of Israel. All those things are gonna happen, but Israel does not, uh, when, when someone is born, they do not appear the day of their birth they're hidden before the day of their birth but there are signals there are indications of that being before the physical birth and so in some ways those indications we're recognizing we're not Israel we're not connected with them but we can see that there are signals that God is intending to go back to his original plan which was to work with Israel and the mystery that we're in right now is going to be uh, wrapped up and, and the mystery, so to speak, is going to be removed. Um, I, can I, can I make a weird example? Sure. Um,
1: we love weird examples.
0: Oh, I've got That's all we I've get got here. A, okay. So Israel would call Gentiles what animal? Dogs. <laughs> okay. So I have to say this. A lot of times when people get married and they can't have children or they're waiting for children, mm. what do they do? They get, they a, get dog. a dog and that dog is a surrogate child, so to speak. Yeah. Now, this is not a perfect analogy, but it is an analogy. And what happens at some point is they start treating that thing like a dog. And and this is not real scientific, like a child. Hard, yeah. Like a child. yeah, I'm sorry. This is not hard scientific evidence, but I, I had, I suspect that they begin to treat this child like a dog. In some cases, it opens up their heart. It helps them relax and it Mm. helps them to reproduce. And I've seen it happen more Mm. than once. And I don't know if this is exactly a great analogy, but I think there are some things that can transfer. So you and I as Gentiles, the church are made up of dogs and God is working with us and he's blessing us and giving us treats. (laughs) And at some point he's going back and that real baby is coming. Now the difference, here's where it breaks down. Oh, we man, in... you're,
1: you're, you're upsetting a lot of people describing us like that.
0: <laughs> I'm just, I'm sorry, because it's not a great, it's not a perfect analogy, because we are in Christ, and we are the bride of Christ. But sometimes when we think of ourselves as the main event for the Bible, you begin to twist and rest Scripture. In fact, some yeah. people say, we have completely replaced Israel. And so I'm not trying to say that we are, we're not valuable to Christ, because he loved the church and gave Amen. himself for it. Amen. But but there is a distinction that the church is not Israel, and the main event, as far as God's concerned, physically on the earth, is going to be Israel.
1: Amen. That's a very good uh, analogy. I'll be using it. I want to share <laughs> share something else here. <laughs> Forgive
0: uh, me, all you dog lovers. And what's interesting <laughs> too is sometimes the dog goes on to. Uh, kind of be set to the side a little bit in at least in the human realm oh my soul <laughs> that's good
1: it's true what are you gonna do it's true but our identity is in christ uh spiritually so that's that you know that that's having finding your identity in jesus christ is really what liberates you mm-hmm. um, to rejoice in who you are in jesus christ and accept um any any truth it doesn't It's bitter anymore on the contrary you embrace it and it becomes sweet the lord has his way So it all depends. So uh, okay, here's something I like to illustrate. I I drew a graph for the church and uh, our church because we're like almost downtown. We happen to have a bunch of engineers. So I told them if I'm if my math if my if the graph doesn't make sense, you guys correct it. And apparently they nodded, uh, they nodded positively. So I assume it makes sense. And basically on the y-axis, I'm drawing an xy chart, two-dimensional here. And on the y-axis here. Uh, that would be the uh, probability probability of rapture. That Y is confusing. Let me erase it. Probability but of why? rapture. I'm sorry?
0: I said, but why? I'm sorry. Yeah, just a, that's good. I'm just, and, I'm just here for the humor, George. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and the X, so for the X axis, uh, that would be current events, right? Uh, something like what's happening right now in Israel. And as there's an increase in the intensity, uh, as you have a, a current events, if they're intense, they appear on the graph. Let's say uh, the 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 goal is to reach 100% probability of the rapture. This is the 100% line. This is 0% down at the y-axis. So at the bottom of the y-axis, it's a 0% probability of the rapture. At the top of the y-axis, there's 100% probability of the rapture, which means it's taking place. And that is in function of current events. Okay. Well, Paul says in Second Thessalonians chapter two, he says the ministry of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Let meaning um, literally make late. That's literally what let means. When when you when you get to, uh, late to church or work and you say I'm late, you're actually, etymologically, you're saying I have been uh, let. Yeah. Exactly. Um. All right. <clears throat> What is the mystery of iniquity? Well, in 1, in 1 Timothy 3.16, Paul tells Timothy great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. So that is the God incarnating in his son, Jesus Christ. That's the mystery of godliness. The mystery of iniquity is the satanic counterpart to the mystery of godliness. And since the mystery of godliness is God incarnating in the son, therefore the mystery of iniquity is Satan, the dragon, incarnating in his own son, the beast. Uh, aka the antichrist and so which means that paul is telling us that even in his day the mystery of iniquity is already work at work that the devil has been try- has been trying to incarnate and appear as the antichrist on earth during the days of paul which would explain why paul was expecting the rapture to happen possibly in his own life and we'll see in a second why he may not have been mistaken actually he wasn't and expecting it so as current events happen let me put another uh, here here's the red. As uh, something happens, so you're in Paul's day and like Nero takes the throne. So there's a really high probability that the Antichrist is going to manifest as Nero, let's say, and that the rapture is going to happen. But what happens is that he who now letteth will let. So the Lord says, no, not yet. And the Lord kills that down, kills that satanic effort to manifest, and the probability goes back uh, down closer to somewhere to zero. And then eventually you've got uh, the persecutions under Diocletian, and they have the persecutions under Hadrian and Marcus Aurelius. And then you have, uh, uh, you know, the, you have uh, Muhammad showing up. And the Antichrist might might show up. And the Lord says, no, not yet. And then you have, uh, uh, I don't know, the Crusades, the Popes. And then you have Isabel and Ferdinand kicking the Jews out of Europe. And then you have uh, Hitler. Well, that was, that's a super high probability. That was like probably over here. And then you had the COVID and now you have the Israel, uh, you know, the, you had the Second World War, you had the the, 19, the six day war over here, the 1973 war over here, and now we're here. And I don't know, are we going to hit a hundred percent probability or not? So what am I? What I'm saying is, people may be right in in the sense that when you look at current events, especially in relation to Israel, and you say, well, the Lord is coming near, you may be right in the sense that if He doesn't stop what's going on. Since the mystery of iniquity is already at work, then the devil is constantly trying to use whatever current events are happening to manifest. And really, it's going to depend on whether God uh, quenches that or not, whether he lets it or not. So if he had let Hitler go on, then you would have had uh, the Antichrist, government, showing up, and we would have been raptured. In that sense, therefore, the generation that lived the Holocaust, uh, when they were saying that this is it, They were right in the sense that it was uh, the mystery of iniquity at work. And had the Lord not quelled it, it would have been it. And so when we look at the current events now, uh, we are over here in 2023 with the Israel war. Israel 2023. If you look at it, nobody can say this is it. And nobody can say this is not it. Because if the Lord doesn't intervene, it can spill over and become it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So see. that's how I look at these things.
0: Well, okay, so um, when we look at this graph, I think it makes sense of the percentage of the probability of the rapture. How high of a percentage is it? What are some of the things? So we know that the, the mystery of iniquity was working at the time of Paul. And we know that the mystery of godliness, God was manifest that the devil is seeking to manifest but then we have to bring into factor the fullness of time as well because when the fullness of the time was come god sent forth his son made of a woman well what what was the what was holding him back well nothing was holding him back he, but he was he had to work on his plan and he had to get his people where he wanted his people and exactly when it was gonna happen was known only to him of the Amorites is not yet full. This idea that there are times God, God is a long suffering God. And we, we, I'll give an example. Okay, there's, a, there's an impending invasion of the Gaza Strip by Israel. They are going to go in and they're going to clean out Hamas building by building, tunnel by tunnel. That has been their stated purpose, that's their goal. Well, what is, why haven't they done it yet? Well, there are things that have to be in line. They have to get certain uh, permissions. They have to get certain alignment. They have to get preparation. And and so that is what is, quote unquote, hindering them from going in. One of the things maybe was President Biden going over there and saying, hey, take it easy. Be careful. Don't do this. Don't want you to go in until a whatever. Those are the things that are hindering, so to speak, are letting the fullness of time. And I think God working behind all the scenes. We look at it and we say, "Hey, go in there now, do it now." It's like the the Normandy invasion uh, in 1944. They were up, ready to invade, and they kept having stand down orders over and over and over and over again, weather related, all really? those things. I didn't know that. Interesting. Yes, there was, there was, and the people were just frust- the soldiers. You know, the grunts were just frustrated. Like, what are we doing? Because they were, had their gear on, actually on the ships. Okay, stand down, and it kept happening. And I think that is possibly what's happening on the spiritual side of things, the invisible side, the the divine side. We don't know what exactly is happening, and we look at it and say, it "Makes uh-huh. sense to me." Good. God could just boom make it happen, right? But it's fullness of time.
1: I like that. That's a great uh, um, analogy, historical analogy. I'm going to try to remember that. Um, I would add the qualification that as far as the rapture of the church itself. Uh, that's imminent so it can happen at any any time Uh, but the Lord knows what you're describing and so he knows how long how he knows how close we would be to the fullness of time and how much time there is to work out what he wants to work out following the rapture of the church so Hmm. in a sense somebody somebody it's a I, I believe in the imminency of the doctrine of the imminency of the rapture but it was an interesting way to put it. I heard a preacher say, I think it was Brother Chad Reese, Pastor Chad Reese in Michigan. Uh, I think it was him. He said basically, uh, like you know, when Christmas is coming you s- on the calendar, and you derive the Thanksgiving is coming up soon because you know Thanksgiving comes before the Second Coming. Hmm. So you can you, you can look at things. You don't know the day and the hour of the Second Coming of Christ, but as you see things tending towards that, you derive the Rapture of the Church. But the rapture of the church can happen anytime, completely irrelevant of, of the surrounding events. It's just that once we're gone, uh, whatever needs to happen to, to have uh, the play out of the kingdom of the Antichrist and uh, the prophecies there, um, you, you, there's only a short time for all that to transpire. More than seven years, I believe, but nevertheless a short time because the Lord says all these things are going to uh, be occur within the lifetime of a single generation.
0: Hmm. Well, I think when we go back to the book of, let's say, back to the book of Genesis, where we have been studying, we think about how the Lord sent all of Noah and his family into the ark, and the Lord shut him in, and shut in the the you know the male and female of all flesh as the Lord God commanded him, and they all went in, the Lord is the one that shut the door. And he is the one that decides when it's over. He's the one that decides. And so we, we sit and we wait. And I think I, one of the things that I find interesting, George, and I think it's important for us, um, I think it's important for us to consider these things, but what does it motivate us to do? And that's where, that's where I feel that Bible believers often, I feel like it freezes them. Um, because it's like, hey, this th- this whole thing is about done, so we're out of here. But what's the next thing that he's going to do? He's going to re- require of us the works that we've, whether they be good or bad. He's going to say, "What did you do?" Okay, so we're we're excited to see the Lord. A lot of people are more excited. Someone said about our disappearing than we are about his appearing.
1: Yeah, Jamont.
0: Yeah, very good. Very good reminder. Okay, if it's true that the game is almost over, what are we thinking about? Well, we should be thinking about what the Lord wants us to be doing while we're here. You know, He said, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? As opposed to seeing that all these things are going to be dissolved in your face, world. Yeah, you're you're all gonna burn up. No, he said you ought to you ought to be That's good. You ought to be thinking about what kind of what are you doing? What's your conversation like? What's your godliness like?
1: Yeah. That's um and you don't know that the rapture is gonna I, I know it's not the popular thing to say and I love this the 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 blessed hope and I wait for the Lord daily. I anticipate it. <clears throat> but uh there is nobody, nobody Uh, that's listening in or not that would cut off their right arm on a wager that Jesus Christ is coming back that the rapture is going to happen within their generation. Sometimes that that kind of understanding when I got, when I received my dispensational understanding of the Bible, you do get a sense of, especially as a young person you think of, well, why bother doing anything? Because uh, every dispensation is doomed to end in failure and in judgment. And uh, you know, Jesus is going to come before I got married. So You know, whatever. Uh, Thank God, I heard a message by Brother Gip years ago, as a young man in my early twenties, and he preached on uh, when the apostles in Acts chapter one, Jesus Christ is raptured. He's received up into clouds, and they're looking up into heaven. You know, and Moses and Elijah show up, and like, you know, what what are you doing, gazing up into heaven? It's like he had just told you. He had just told you. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And they're just sitting up there looking up into heaven. So I seek those things which are above, like Colossians 3 commands me. I'm expecting the Lord. I'm waiting for his son from heaven, 1 Thessalonians 1.10. Uh, but I don't know that he's coming back in my lifetime. I tell my pastor friends, I'm like, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, the rapture isn't another 50 years away. You know, a lot of them are like, no, don't say that. I'm like, well, you don't... How many of us have already been surprised? Better men of better men of God than you and I, with greater biblical understanding, and I listened to their recordings from years past. They were absolutely convinced we're never going to hit the year two thousand, right? Convinced, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Doc included. He writes it in this book. He's like, I don't know why the Lord has has tarried. Obviously, He's not here yet. So, um, I don't know. I have a life to live. I have to serve the Lord, and may I add something? Even if the Lord is going to come back in your lifetime if you're a student let's say then god when jesus when he shows up he expects you to be at your post doing what you're supposed to be doing and if you're in the middle of studying and you haven't finished he expects you to he expects to find you in the middle of studying he expects to find you in the middle of building a ministry he expects to find you in the middle of serving him in whatever capacity has called you to serve him otherwise we become like that wicked slothful servant that we're not saying oh you're hard and austere man reaping where thou didst not sow but we're basically saying well you were gonna come anyway so let's like you know it was all in vain whatever i would have done the lord says no it would not have been in vain you were supposed to be at your post and here's the consequence that you weren't at your post so sometimes our our zeal for the second coming of the lord actually plays against us Hmm. and uh, we lose the zeal to do something for the lord i mean if he's coming back in your lifetime all the more reason to do something not all the
0: less well that's 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 what i feel like george it's I I look at it this way, okay? It's really cool what's happening. It's really cool. Okay, what would he, what do we mean by that? The Bible is so real to me. Okay? Yep. That's good. That's good. I'm thankful for that. Um, But here's the question. Did the Bible become real because you now believe that it's real? No. It was real. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if it was real before you thought that, then what you think about it, what you feel about it, has no bearing on it, whether it's true or not. Okay, so your feelings mm-hmm. of, man, I really got to get busy because uh, Israel, okay, that's, hey, if that fires you up, good. But he that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not shall reap. Not reap. Yep. If you're watching the weather to determine whether, whether or not you're going to serve God, then what you're doing is you're you're basing your life on your feelings. The feelings of the man who hid his talent were what were standing in his way. He was saying, I hmm. feared thee because thou art an austere man. And that's why I didn't go out and trade my talent. You know what the other two were doing? And by the way, they both received the same commendation. commendation. One traded for 10, one traded for five. They both, he said, thou good and faithful servant to both of them. It wasn't about the yeah. amount, it's that Amen. they were doing something. And I thought about, you know, whenever you have a, a traffic accident, let's say you've got a car that breaks down or two, you know, got a, uh, what do they call this fender bender and they pull off to the side or there's a wreck or an accident. You know what happens to the rest of the traffic? Not only is it impeded, but even when it's not impeded, people slow down. They slow down. You have to watch. Why? Not to do anything. They are not going to affect it. They're not going to help. They're not going to jump out. Now, I'm thankful for people that do. All kinds of people do. The Rescuers, so forth, heroes. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about me. When I drive by, I, I say, why do I want to look? What am I going to do? Well, maybe it's our mercy. It's our compassion. We care. But some of it is just this curiosity killed the cat thing. I've got to know. And I think in some ways, when we, I look at my own life over the last, several weeks. I'll tell you what happened to me. I get infatuated with what's going to happen. I subscribe to people on Telegram. I'm looking at Twitter or X and I'm watching Fox News and I'm doing more of that than I normally do. And, and why? I don't really know why. It's just because everybody likes to see other people and other people's drama. What's going on over there? But what God has for me is the same that he had for me to see people saved and baptized and discipled so i should be careful i have to monitor my what i'm monitoring to make sure that i'm mm. not th- vicariously living through someone else's soap opera drama and it's very real and the violence is very real i'm not den- i'm not denouncing yeah, and, that. and
1: there's an element of like this is seeing like seeing the bible play out and this might be a, ch- a new chapter in the history of israel and it's times god's time clock so it's kind of and, normal at times like this to watch the clock a little bit more Right. But, but don't get stuck on watching the clock and wasting away not doing something for the Lord.
0: Well, again, it's, yes, exactly. As you were saying earlier, if it is this, if this really is this, then I should be doing something. So, uh, you know, yeah. a quarterback in the NFL has to watch the clock. That's good. He has to snap the ball because if he doesn't snap the ball in time, they can't have a play. But the reason for watching the clock right. is so that he can play, run a play. Better. That's good. Not just... Wow, wow, man, we're almost to the end. Now, you know what happens? A team will run out the clock when they know they're going to win. Mm. When, right? Uh-huh. And the difference with that is, let's say they know they're going to win, and so the all-pro, you know, the, 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 the best, the decade-long, the total champion quarterback, he, he put the game away, and now we've got two minutes left. All right, so we put the second string in there. You know what the second string is doing? He's, he gets to take a knee. He doesn't want to take a knee. He wants to throw a pass. He wants to do something in the game. Because, yeah, the game is going to be won. But why am I on? If the game's already won, why is the clock running? Right? And, and it's not a perfect analogy again. But the point is, if we're here and we know the Lord's coming back, don't tell me the, that, that you know we already won. We know that. Then why does God have us here?
1: That reminds me of a story. Now, I, I know I've never played a football game in my life, like in no, real. We need to game. fix that. We need to fix yeah. that. <laughs> I've played like a rugby-style football match in the park somewhere with my cousin and some friends at school a couple of times, but I've never. I heard rugby. a story. Uh, was a, you guys have a legendary football coach, Bear Bryant, I think? Mm-hmm. And uh, apparently, there was a, his team was winning, and he told his quarterback, "Whatever you do, don't throw the ball." He says, don't risk it. We're winning. And the quarterback, you know, yeah, coach, yeah, coach. But then at the moment of the play, he actually saw an amazing opening. And he was so sure that this is a safe thing. And he made the pass and it got intercepted. And uh, (laughs) the guy that caught the pass started running uh, towards the end zone. And it's the quarterback that ran and caught him. And the quarterback isn't known for his speed, you know, but it's the quarterback (laughs) that caught him and wrestled him down before the end zone. And they asked Bear Bryant, He said, how do you explain that it's your slow quarterback that caught up with him? And he said, well, it's because the the, the opposing player was running uh, to win, but my quarterback was running for his life because I was going to kill him. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Absolutely. (laughs) The motivation,
1: you know. (laughs) I I told you, don't. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: Well, and so I I think, uh, you know, I'm I'm looking at what you say there, and I've always, the, the charts and all of that, i think are very helpful for us to understand how the fact that that our god is working and that we are privileged to be in the game it's a privilege for us and and our time, our clock he said you know teach me to number uh, number our days that we apply, apply our hearts unto wisdom so we do want to number okay so i asked this question of our listeners If you knew for sure that Jesus Christ was going to return for his bride, you'd name the date, let's say December 31st, 2023. If you knew that, what would change about your life? What's weird is we like to play both ends against the middle. Well, you know, I know that Jesus is returning, so... I, I don't have to be afraid about this world coming, you know, to an end at, or everything being destroyed and me going through the tribulation. Jesus is coming back. Okay, that's true. Uh, and that is the blessed hope. But if that is true, then why hasn't he taken you out yet? If you're going to see him and it's guaranteed, he's got us here for a reason. Let's get busy on that reason. And by the way, the blessed hope is what? The blessed hope is Jesus Christ. It's not the rapture of course the rapture but why it's the rapture is the appearing of our lord and savior jesus christ he is the one that's coming we're supposed to be looking for him and we've been going through in in in, uh in our church services philippians chapter three where paul is saying uh, not as though i had already attained either we're already perfect but i follow after I am uh, what if that I may apprehend that for which I have been apprehended. I'm already on the team now. I don't know why you chose me to be hmm. on the team, why you let me be here. And he goes on to say it to to that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of sufferings, uh, being, being made, made conformable, conformable to, his, to death, his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, well, you are going to attain unto the resurrection of the dead anyhow. What Paul is saying is. I want to know the power of Jesus Christ today as Mm. much as I possibly can, just like I will when I'm in heaven. We're already seated in heavenly places. So I want it right now. I want to know what's it going to be like in the millennial kingdom? What's going to be like in heaven? I, I can experience some of that right now on this earth rather than, man, it sure is going to be great when we get to heaven. Well, of course it will be. So why hasn't God taken us there? I think Paul, in some sense, had that death wish because he knew even more than any of us what was going to happen. But the Lord said, "I've got you here now yeah. for a purpose."
1: <clears throat> to abide in the body is more needful for you. For that's you, that's that's a good uh, disclaimer. Um, I wanted to, so that's a good disclaimer. I want I'm, I want to talk about a little bit more about like eschatology from the Bible. Uh, well, disclaimer may be the wrong. Description here, but that's really good to keep in mind when we're discussing these things. Uh, what to what what practical purposes they're behind it, and we want to get busy serving the Lord. Now, a lot of people are are looking at this, and I've gotten the question, and I'm sure it's on people's minds listening about Gog and Magog, mm. because it looks like right now uh Russia and Turkey and Iran are ganging up on Israel, and here it is. We've been expecting this for about uh, ten years, fifteen years or so, and here we are. Um, but I'd like I'm gonna share the screen and share with the uh uh listeners my take on uh, Gog and uh, Magog and it's a little bit different than what our crowd is used to um, yeah j- just a little bit okay I don't think there is uh an invasion of Turkey Russia and Iran uh of the land of Israel i don't i don't think that the a careful reading of the uh of the chapters bears that out and i realize how that what i'm saying seems to be going very much against the grain of current events because that's it looks like exactly what's happening but i think this would be a good illustration of what you were describing at the beginning of the podcast uh, of this uh, episode that you have to read current events in the in the light of the bible and not the bible in the light of current events because you see uh, you see persia and turkey and russia gearing up together you bring that to ezekiel 38 and for sure you're going to see it okay so just to give an example i think you can see the screen right
0: yes i yeah. can
1: yeah okay so for ins- for for one thing uh, here in verse 2 and verse 3 forgive me of ezekiel 38 says the chief prince of Meshech and tubal now, if you're a King James Bible believer, this should not be an issue. The word there in Hebrew, the Hebrew word behind it, um, well, let me go there. It's rush. Uh, here. And uh, that is, uh, it's translated as head sometimes or chief. Now, some people who uh, don't believe the text of the King James Bible, they say that was mistranslated. Oh, you can't see that on the screen. They say that should have been Rush and they'll put it as Rosh, and they'll say that's Russia. But if you believe that the text of the King James Bible was uh, led by inspiration, given by inspiration, they didn't put that there as Rush. They went to, to chief, the head of Meshach and Tubal. Now, there's a question whether that's Russia or not, but that's not really what I want to go into. Here's what I want to show people. Uh, doctor, there, There's two views on this, okay? The guy that that the, the has really outlined the modern prophetic view of the fundamentalists, of the the guys who believe the Bible more or less literally is Chuck Missler, and some years back, I think in 2010, he pointed out he said if you go through Ezekiel 38 39, you'll notice that there is the the inner circle of Israel's enemies is not mentioned, Egypt, Lebanon, Syria, Jordan, the Philistines are not there. However, the outer circle of Israel's enemies is mentioned, Persia, and then uh, uh, you know Gog and Magog and Togarma and Gomer, which he makes Russia and Turkey and the Caucasus, uh, and then Ethiopia and Libya down in Africa. And for him, that was a a big mystery. And the way he solved it is uh, Chuck Missler said, well, uh, you see that inner circle is described over in Psalm 83. Um, Psalm 83 talks about that inner circle of Israel's enemies, and then they're destroyed in Psalm 83. So what he said was there's actually a war that comes at the, right after the rapture, maybe maybe at towards the end of the church age, that Israel is going to wipe out its immediate enemies. It's going to wipe out its the surrounding enemies, uh, and then take over all their land, and it's going to be greater Israel, and that is what Gog and uh, Gog attacks uh, thereafter. Now, <clears throat> so that's Chuck Missler. You've got that camp over there, and then you have Doctor Ruckman. Uh, he put forth a. a, a a theory that nobody had considered, which made a lot of sense. He basically says, uh, there's another Gog and Magog in Revelation chapter 20. And uh, Ezekiel chapter 38 actually deals with uh, Revelation chapter 20. After the 1,000 year reign of Jesus Christ, when Satan is loosed from the prison, that's Ezekiel 38. And Ezekiel 39 is talking about Armageddon at the end of the tribulation. And uh, that was a novel way to look at it and explain some things. But both those, so, but here's the, what I think the mistake of both sides are. And of course I have my own mistakes, but we're building on each other. Okay. Uh, Chuck, he went to a solution that's not needed. Uh, he didn't read the the text literally because he does, he does spiritualize passages of the text. And whenever he doesn't know what to do with the words of the King James Bible, then he'll resort to the Hebrew and then they'll say, could have been translated that. way. And when you do that, of course, you can end up with any kind of interpretation you want. Dr. Ruckman, who's a Bible King James Bible believer, left the text as it is and believes it literally, but he didn't go through uh, all the details that are mentioned in the text. And there's some things as you go through Ezekiel chapter 38 that just cannot possibly fit uh, with the uh, the millennial kingdom, the end of the millennial kingdom re- rebellion there in Revelation chapter 20. So all I'd like to do is uh, to show you guys something. I think relatively straightforward. It's the beginning of the observations. The rest of it, you can watch on my YouTube channel, Council Might. have got a, a videos about that. And what I'd like to show is this. I'll take out the Strong's number. I'll try to zoom in. Yeah. See in there in verse four there, where the Lord says, I will turn thee back and put hooks into thy jaws and I'll bring thee forth and all thine army. And then he mentions in verse five, Persia and Ethiopia and Libya. That turned the back. Uh, almost nobody takes account of that. That I have read, that I know. Okay, that suggests that what you're reading in the first verses of Ezekiel 38 follows a previous attack. It's a snapshot of a of a post attack situation. I saw you raise your hand. There is everything okay?
0: Uh, you, I lost you for a second, but I think it was on my end.
1: Oh, okay. So that, I'll turn thee back. And he says, I'm going to put hooks into your jaws. If you're a little bit familiar with the Bible history, that is exactly how the Lord uh, had described uh, the attack of Sennacherib on Judea. I thought I pulled it up. Where is that thing? It's in 2 Kings and it's in Isaiah. Where is that thing? Here. Let's go to the 2 Kings. See that there? Uh, Sennacherib who's an Assyrian from the north so Ezekiel chapter 38 you've got somebody coming from the north parts to attack and Assyria qualifies as the north because the Lord says uh, out of the out of the north an evil comes on the land and he often describes the Assyrian attack as a northern attack well Sennacherib had already attacked Israel the Assyrians had already attacked the northern kingdom of Israel the mountains of Israel they had already attacked Judea And now they were about to take the capital Jerusalem when Hezekiah prays and the Lord says, I will turn thee back by the way by which thou camest. And he says, I'm going to put a hook in your nose and a bridle in thy lips and take you back. That is what you're reading in Ezekiel chapter 38 as when it opens up. And I will turn thee back and put hooks into thy jaws. So Gog and Magog has already attacked when you start reading Ezekiel chapter 38. And it is this second military maneuver in which he picks up persia ethiopia and libya so the initial attack is not uh, performed with persia ethiopia and libya it is performed without persia and ethiopia and libya and the second military maneuver is lord says i'm gonna pull you back up and with all the people who are with you including persia and ethiopia and libya that is precisely what you find described in detail uh, in Daniel chapter 11. Now, this is nothing super hard to, to interpret. You just literally read what it says. And you'll see in Daniel chapter 11 that the king of the north, which matches Ezekiel 38, it's out of the north part, attacks uh, with his allies, not including Persia, not including Libya and Ethiopia at the beginning. Here he says, this is Daniel 11 verse 40. And at the time of the end shall the king of the south push at him and the king of the north, matching Ezekiel 38, shall come against him like a whirlwind with chariots and with horsemen and with many ships. And he shall enter into the countries and shall overflow and pass over. Those countries are the uh, Arabic countries surrounding the land of Israel, which is why they're not mentioned in Ezekiel 38, because he actually comes against them too. Uh, This is in the first attack. And here he shall enter also into the glorious land. There is Israel and many countries shall be overthrown but these shall escape out of his hand even Edom Moab and the children of the, and 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 Moab and the chief of the children of Ammon so he's telling you why the immediate uh, circle of enemies are the arabic nations aren't mentioned the fact that Edom and Moab and Ammon escape implies that the other arabic nations don't which implies that he actually comes against the arabic nations also that's why they're not mentioned in Ezekiel 38 there's no need for a second to, to come up with a second war out of Psalm 83 That's a view that Chuck Missler has popularized and Amir Sarfati has picked up and a a bunch of others. It's become like the mainstream view and you almost can't speak against it anymore. But look what what happens uh, about the king of the north. He shall stretch forth his hand also upon the countries and the land of Egypt shall not escape. So he comes down through Israel from the north all the way into Egypt, but he shall have power over the treasures of gold and of silver and over all the precious things of Egypt. Here they are. And the Libyans and the Ethiopians shall be at his steps. That's when they join him, after he has taken Israel and Egypt. It's at this point, after he has invaded Israel, that the Libyans and Ethiopians, who are mentioned in Ezekiel 38, join him. But tidings out of the east, there's Persia, and out of the north shall trouble him. Therefore he shall go forth with great fury. There's the hooks into your jaws, and I will turn thee back. He turns back to go back against Persia in Ezekiel 38. That's exactly what you read in Ezekiel thirty-eight.
0: Hmm. Wow, that's interesting.
1: And that's beca- and and that matches the sixth seal, which is poured on the river Euphrates, which dries up, because uh, Persia is what troubles him from the east. It seems like now I've got a few more possibilities in my book on, on Daniel, de-sealing Daniel, but I'm just summarizing. I'm summarizing here. Uh, there's the sixth seal, and he says uh, the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates and the water thereof was dried up that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared we just read the tidings out of the east shall trouble him the tidings the east of it's east of the euphrates it's defined the geographical reference point is given to you in the bible east of what east of the euphrates that's not china and japan that's the mesopotamian countries that's persia and so he goes back against them because he has trouble in his own backyard which is where he's from he's an assyrian and it seems like once he subdue them they join him and they turn their guns on, on us once we show up with the Lord Jesus Christ. So all that to say, the resume is, if you read Ezekiel 38 and you try to account for all the details, what happens is that Gog and Magog, whoever they are, they're definitely northern. I don't know if they're Russia, but they're definitely northern. Uh, come down; He comes down through the land of Assyrian without Persia, without Libya, without Ethiopia. He takes over the Arabic countries, which is why they're not mentioned, Ezekiel 38. He takes over Egypt at that point, uh, the Ethiopians and Libyans are afraid because he took out Egypt, so they follow his steps. And then he turns back uh, to fight against Persia, eventually subduing it, and Persia joins him, and then they turn against us. So the the scenario, the oft-repeated scenario of uh, it's going to be an alliance of Iran and Russia and Turkey that come and invade Israel is not there. Now, eventually, all of the nations are going to gather at Armageddon we understand that, but that's Armageddon. That's at the very end. Uh, so, but but the, the, specifically the trio of Persia and Turkey and Russia coming down from the north of Israel um, doesn't bear out in Ezekiel chapter thirty-eight.
0: And all that is because you're simply looking at, I will turn thee back, and I will bring thee forth, singular, verse number four, uh. And all thine army, right? I will turn thee back, and and then it says, "I will bring thee forth." After I turn thee back, put into that hooks in thy jaws. Right. Now I will. Then so now after I'll bring that, forth. I'll bring right. thee forth, uh, including Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya with right. them. All right. of them. Right. And, so, and Daniel
1: eleven gives us tells you when Libya and Ethiopia join him, and when the East comes in. Hmm it's after he has gone through the land of Israel and even Egypt. So right. the, the, that classic scenario that we're always looking for, I don't, I, I don't see it if you, if you try to account for um, the details in all the verses.
0: And again, the emphasis there is uh, rightly dividing, rightly dividing between the first f- two phrases. I will turn thee back, that's one and put hooks into thy jaws, that's two, and I will bring thee forth. That's three. And if you don't rightly divide those things and you just say, I will turn thee back, that just means God's going to bring him down. But that's not what he said. Bring thee back and bring thee forth are two separate things. Right,
1: right. And we've so, got it illustrated in, in Sennacherib, who is from the north. He had already attacked. The Lord says, I'm going to put hooks in his jaws and I'm going to turn him back by the way that he came. And just that's exactly what you read in Daniel 11. Uh, the king of the north comes all the way down. He's the king of the north. He's in Egypt now. Then he hears tidings out of the east and north. So he goes back the way he came. What time So time turn the back th- assumes, uh, implies that there was already an attack. So the first attack does not involve Persia. There's no Iran attacking Israel uh, at the beginning.
0: What time frame do you think this um, second half of the tribulation, right? Somewhere in there?
1: Sorry, brother. Just Just a second. Yeah, okay. Nothing. We're almost done. I have to. I have to. I have to get <laughs> yeah, get going. Um, I the would fullness, so, fullness of the time. The here, if I can, I'll do this. The best I can do with it, and I say best because you know it's never perfect. It's this, basically, uh, <clears throat> the first kind of eight verses, the yeah, verses one. To 8a would be uh, Armageddon, and then verses 8b to uh, 16 is uh, has a double application to the Antichrist taking over uh, Jerusalem and the land of Israel in the middle of Daniel's 70th week, and it also because Israel is dwelling at peace during the middle of the 70th week, and it's also dwelling at peace at the end of the millennium. So there would be double application to the to the everything in brown. And then from verses 17 on, including uh, chapter 39, is Armageddon again. So basically, it's Armageddon. And then you have he goes back in time and he shows you what ha- what had happened in the middle of Daniel's 70th week, which is also an illustration of what happens at the end of Revelation 20th millennium. And then he goes back to Armageddon again. Mm-hmm. That so far, uh, with one possible exception, it, as far as best I can tell. Accounts for every single little detail that's in the verses. And I've published that online on Council Might, and I've showed that to pastors who were like no prophecy. And so far, it's holding water. So far.
0: Hmm. Well, I can't help but make the connection to uh, Job 41. Speaking of Leviathan, canst thou put a hook into his nose or bore his yeah. jaw through with a thorn? And that's in the latter part of the tribulation. If there are 42 months in the tribulation, 42 chapters in the book of Job, uh, there may be a connection in that, but either way, we understand from a, from a broad macro perspective, God is the one who decides who attacks and when, and He's like a dog uh, or a dog. He says, no, I'm bringing you, putting you, I'm putting a, um, a halter on you. I'm putting a bridle on you and you're going to go and do this and you're going to do that. I'm going to let release you when, Uh, And he does that with Leviathan, Satan himself. And he can do it certainly with any rulers of the world. Amen. Isn't that amazing? King's heart is in the hand of the Lord. He turneth it at the rivers of water. He turneth it whithersoever he will.
1: Right. Even even with current events now, I think, again, the rapture can happen before the end of the podcast for all we know. Uh, But uh, uh, that is the resurrection of the dead. But keep in mind something that's often forgotten about the Antichrist is he shows up as a little horn amongst ten horns. And he displaces three, he subdues three of the ten horns. There's mm-hmm. ten rulers over as far as we we understand the the old Roman world uh, empire, and it's in the mm-hmm. and he shows up as the little horn, so that's at the beginning of his rise. So the beginning of his rise is in the context of ten um rulers regional massive regional r- rulers, if not global. Where do you have ten rulers today? You know we don't. So the rapture can happen at any t- any point now, but as far as second coming events, it seems like we need. I mean, th- such a system could be set up fairly quickly. Granted, but there isn't ten rulers right now that anybody could. N- no two. If you ask three Bible believers to identify ten <laughs> global rulers right now, not, not you know, you wouldn't get two of them agreeing on it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot yet to happen. There's a lot yet to happen. The rapture can happen now, but there's a whole bunch of things that still have to fall in place before you have the uh, the fertile soil out of which the Antichrist arises.
0: Yes. And, and listeners, don't be discouraged by that. Um, don't be discouraged because the last thing you want to do is change the, try to change the Bible or muddy the Bible just so it's clear to you keep it. If it's if it's not clear, there's confusion, you're like, Gog, Magog, I have no idea what you're talking about. That's okay. But don't change it. Just ask God to give you wisdom. And and it's like like we say, as you go into the Bible, it's like going to the optometrist, one or two, two or three. You're going to gain vision as you keep it what it is. Adjust your sight, your vision to the Bible. Don't try to adjust the Bible to your vision keep it where it is. And like Brother George is saying, he's men, they've taught the Bible for decades and decades and have blessed hundreds of thousands of people across the world. And yet still, it's not their Bible. It's God's Bible. And we're privileged. Every man has the a, has a Holy Spirit to guide you, help you understand. So take the time as you're going through this to do number one, Lord, I want to know your book more. And two, I want to do what you told me to do here. You told other people to do other things, but you told me to do this in this time frame, and I want to be ready when you come. I am ready to be rewarded by you because I'm doing what you told me to do. Brother George, hey, this has been great. Any final was, words for us? Uh,
1: I, I predict, which is always a dangerous thing to do, but that you're not going to see specifically a coalition of Turkey and Russia and Iran um, invading Israel uh as a result of what's going on right now it's not going to happen even if all the prophecy boys are saying it's going to happen and uh let's see uh let's see that how time judges those those uh, predictions
0: amen well um i am not a prophet nor the son of a prophet and, <laughs> but i'm happy to be on here with with brother george and uh i've learned a lot here and i hope that you're um following along reading along in your book with us Looking forward to it. So we'll, we'll do another uh, episode probably next week on Israel as well. And it's been a great blessing. God bless you guys. Keep serving the Lord.
1: God bless you. Thank you guys.